Good morning, everyone. Please join us with number 414, Have Thine Own Way. from uh, Allie this morning and she's congested and is unable to do the call to worship. So um, Sally is stepping up and doing it for us this morning. Good morning. Good morning. Um, Psalm 67. God, be gracious to us and bless us. God, make his face shine upon us that his ways may be known on earth and his saving power among all the nations. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all peoples praise thee. Let all nations rejoice and shout in triumph, for thou dost judge the people with justice and guidest the nations of the earth. Let the peoples praise thee, O God. Let all the peoples praise thee. The earth has given its increase, and God, our God, will bless us. God grant us his blessing that all the ends of the earth may fear him. Amen. That's, that's one of my favorite psalms. It's all about grace and thanksgiving. Grace and gratitude. Let's continue to worship the Lord, singing to the immortal and invisible, only wise God, number 12. Justice like bound. 
wise and God is light. Let us pray. Three in one God, we have gathered here this morning to worship you. As the psalm pointed out, you are worthy of all of our praise, of the praise of all of the people of the earth, because all that you have graciously given to us. So please, Help us to humble ourselves before you, open to all you want to do through the music, through the prayer, and through your word. May we come to trust in you fully, surrender to you in order to receive all of your blessings. We ask it in the name of Jesus, who is our Savior and Lord. Amen. And now, uh, if you would take our bulletin inserts and let us recite together our prayer of confession. You have asked for our hands that you might use them for your purpose. We gave them for a moment, then withdrew them, for the work was hard. You ask for our mouths to speak out against injustice. We gave you only a whisper that we might not be accused. You ask for our eyes to see the pain of poverty. We close them, for we did not want to see. You ask us for our lives that you might work through us. We gave a small part that we might not get too involved. Lord, forgive all our calculated efforts to serve you. Only when it is convenient to do so, only in those places where it is safe to do so, and only with those who make it easy for us to do so. Father, forgive us, renew us, and send us out as usable instruments that we might take seriously the meaning of your cross. Amen. And we have this assurance that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then the Holy Spirit enables us and empowers us in the love of Jesus Christ to do those things that we so often fall short of. Well, let's uh, continue to worship the Lord in songs about, about surrender and about faith. We will start with number 310, I Know Whom I Have Believed, and number 436, Take My Life and Let It Be. Still love redeemed. 
From God's Word. The reading is from Second Kings chapter five, one to fifteen. Naaman, commander of the king of Aram's army, was a great man, highly esteemed by his master, because by his means the Lord had given victory to Aram but he was a leper. On one of their raids, the Arameans brought back as a captive from the land of Israel a little girl who became the servant of Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, if only my master could meet the prophet who lives in Samaria, he would get rid of the disease for him. Naaman went in and reported to his master, word for word, what the girl from the land of Israel had said. Very well, you may go, said the king of Aram, and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman went, taking with him 10 talents of silver, 6,000 shekels of gold, and 10 changes of clothing. He delivered the letter to the king of Israel, which read thus, This letter is to inform you 
that I am sending to you my servant Naaman, and I beg you to rid him of his disease. When the king of Israel read the letter, he rent his clothes and said, Am I a god to kill and to make alive that this fellow sends to me to cure a man of his disease. Surely you must see that he is picking a quarrel with me. When Elisha, the man of God, heard how the king of Israel had rent his clothes, he sent to him, saying, Why did you rend your clothes? Let the man come to me and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman came with his horses and chariots and stood at the entrance of Elisha's house. Elisha sent out a messenger to say to him, If you will go and wash seven times in the Jordan, your flesh will be restored and you will be clean. Naaman was furious and went away, saying, I thought he would at least have come out and stood and invoked the Lord his God by name, waved his hand over the place, and so rid me of the disease. Are not Abana and Farpar rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel. Can I not wash in them and be clean? So he turned and went off in a rage. But his servants came up to him and said, If the prophet had bidden you do something difficult, would you not do it? How much more then? if he tells you to wash and be clean. So he went down and dipped himself in the Jordan seven times as the man of God had told him, and his flesh was restored as a little child's, and he was clean. Then he and his retinue went back to the man of God and stood before him, and he said, Now I know that there is no God anywhere on earth except in Israel. Will you accept a token of gratitude from your servant? And the next reading is Matthew 8, 1 to 3. After he had come down from the hill, he was followed by a great crowd. And now a leper approached him, bowed low, and said, Sir, if only you will, you can cleanse me. Jesus stretched out his hand, touched him, and said, Indeed, I will be clean again and the leprosy was cured immediately. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. And now if you will uh, take your songbooks and way in the back, turn to number 64. It's a responsive reading, which is essentially Isaiah 53 about the Lamb of God. Number 642. Who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? He grew up before him like a tender issue, and like a root out of the dry ground. He had no beauty or majesty for practices to him, not in his appearance that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men a man of sorrows and familiar with suffering. Like one from whom men hide their faces, he was despised, and we esteemed him not. Surely he took our poor burdens 
and carry our sorrows. Yet we consider him stricken by God, smitten by him, and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. And by his wounds, we are healed. We all, like the sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to his own way. And the Lord has failed him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted. Yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as sheep before her shearers is silent, so he did not open his mouth. By the pressure and judgment, he was taken away. And who can speak of his descendants? For he was the man of the living. For the resurrection of my people. And he was assigned a grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death. Though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush and cause him to suffer. And the Lord makes his life a new He will see his offspring and prolong his days. And after the suffering of his soul, he will see the light of life and be satisfied. By his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. Therefore, I will be a portion among the great, and he will divide his spoils with the strong. Because he poured out his life unto death and was numbered with the transgressions. For he bore the sin of men and made intercession for the transgressions. Amen. I think that's really, really powerful because there's no doubt archaeologists have found those words written at least 200 years before Jesus fulfilled them, word for word. Let us now go to the Lord in prayer. O King of Kings, we confess that too often we do not humble ourselves before you. Most of the time we're we're caught up in our own plans, desiring what we want, and even trapped by urgent demands coming from other people. Please forgive us for this mindset and please deliver us from others and from ourselves that you may be the center of our lives, the focus of our minds and the first desire of our hearts. May all our desires be to know you, to love you and to serve you out of gratitude for your grace, demonstrated in your son, Jesus the Savior, who died on the cross to pay the price for our sins and who rose again to give us his life. Help us to humble ourselves always in order to trust you and obey you. And then please help us to love all our neighbors especially those not like us, by sharing what we have received from you in the hope that they too might receive your gift of humble, obedient faith. We pray for our world and our country, knowing that the only hope for all is that by the Holy Spirit, each one will recognize his or her brokenness and turn to you through Jesus to be cleansed and made whole. And we pray that all who are indwelt with the Holy Spirit will grow in both love and righteousness, being willing 
to be strong, to do what is right, and to have compassion toward all those who are ignorant of you. And we pray for leaders that like the kings of Israel and Syria, they would come to know you as the only true God. And like Naaman, they would humbly obey your word in faith. We pray for our brothers and sisters in this cell of your body. We pray for Allie that she would be healed of this infection in her body. We pray for her family. We pray for continued healing for her twin sister, Emmy. We pray for Doris that you would give her your strength. And we pray for Christine that she could understand grace and your life-changing love as her everyday experience. And Father, we pray for Rob's family who are mourning the loss of Michael. And we pray for those who are not able to be with us to worship you for whatever reason. We, we think of John and Pat and their family. And we um, think of um, Nancy and Ray and Fran and just many others. Father, we pray that you would continue to be with Joe. We thank you for his faithfulness to always be here to worship you. And we pray that starting right now, we will overflow with thanksgiving to you and thanksgiving for you and thanksgiving for your gifts. And that we will always be ready for your second advent, for your second coming, as we have even been commanded. And now please be with me and guide me to rightly explain, interpret, and apply your word to myself first. And then may the Holy Spirit apply it to all who hear. We ask it in Jesus' name. And now we come together with one heart and one voice to pray the words of the prayer he left for his followers, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. And now, before we um, dig into God's word, let us sing number 524, Weave a Story to Tell to the Nations, even to the Syrians and to all who are not like us. to give to 
There's a common theme to our singing this morning. It's all about the light of God. There is one ugly thing that is in every human heart. Now, some of us struggle with this ugly thing more than others, and and some of us are able to hide it better than others. But this ugly thing is pride. Pride is all about me and my place and my people. We are the best and all others are less. However, human hearts are complex. And all people are also able to love and show compassion to others. And this can be most true among those people who have been marginalized, the people we prayed about in our confession of sin. These people who are always being pushed aside and ignored by those who have power. However, although some marginalized people will become bitter, in general, the less people have, the more likely they are to help other people in need. So if powerful people have ears to hear, they would be wise to seek the company and the wisdom of people who have no power. Now, to get specific, the account of how Naaman was cleansed of his leprosy is a specific example of how these general truths I've been speaking about concerning humanity apply to the family to the family of a mighty Syrian uh, soldier who even had access to the king. Yet despite his position, he was afflicted with a terrible skin disease. He and his wife had also appropriated a young girl, a little girl who had been taken captive During a military raid on Israel, she was an orphan who was in the presence of her mistress while her master was out serving the king valiantly. And it was through this insignificant Israelite in a foreign land that Naaman became aware of a prophet of the God in Israel who could remove his disease from his body. Now, when he first met the prophet, Naaman was told to simply wash himself in the Jordan River seven times. And this infuriated him because he had expected the man to come out and act all dramatically like and to bring a powerful deliverance to him. 
Instead, he was to wash himself in a shallow, muddy river, inferior to those he knew in Syria, his homeland, his place. And he turned and he was leaving in his rage. And as this was going on, his servants urged him to obey the word of the prophet. Now, again, we're complex. And this man had enough humility and faith to obey. And we're told coming out of the river, this Syrian, this foreigner to the covenant promises of the true God, not an Israelite, he was cleansed of his leprosy. And what does this teach us? God cleanses people of all nations who obey him in faith. Not only that, the Naaman is convinced that the one God is the God of Israel. So now we will dig into the details of this story to learn more about humble obedient faith. So we can summarize this account in about 40 words. A Syrian war hero hears of an Israelite prophet and his king sends him for recovery from his leprosy. And hearing Elisha's command, his pride objects. But after humbly obeying, He is cleansed. He's made clean. And and there's two parts to this account. The first part is that this war hero of Syria with leprosy hears of a prophet in Israel. And his king sends him to the king of Israel for recovery. Now, the Hebrew word Aram is now known to English-speaking people as Syria. It's the same place. The capital of both places is Damascus, even to this day. So let's go through this line by line. Naaman, the leader of the king of Syria's army, is a great man and lifted up before the king Because by him, now this is amazing, by him, he didn't even know Yahweh, but by him, the covenant God, Yahweh, had delivered Syria. And after this big buildup and describing how great he is, but he was a leper. He had leprosy. Now, Naaman, which means pleasantness, I think that's important to our story. He was a strong and mighty leader, respected by his king because he had heroically saved. This is the verb for Yeshua, which means to save the nation in times of war. Now, this horrible disease that he had, it was beyond his control. But isn't it interesting that in a pagan nation, he could be the chief general of a large army. But if you remember in the Torah, in Leviticus, in the nation of Israel, all lepers had to be excluded from the community, live outside of the gate of the town destitute and left to fend for themselves. That was how God regarded this disease. Next, we're told that a young Israelite girl taken captive in a Syrian raid, she was with Naaman's wife and said to her mistress, oh, that my Lord was with the prophet in Samaria who would remove his leprosy. Now, this is a young girl. This is a little girl. She's probably less than 10 years old, and we don't even know how long she's been in the household. Now, she may have been orphaned in this raid. And again, everybody's a complex person, and we see evidence that Naaman was able to have compassion And he may have come upon her as they were going through the village to see the effects of the war. And I think they adopted this girl right into their family. 
And her words to Naaman's wife indicate that she loved her master and she wanted him not to be a leper. Well, on hearing this, then then Naaman, he went to his Lord. It says he went to his Lord and said that the young girl of Israel spoke literally thus and thus, or this and this, or such and such. And we heard the translation word for word. So he relayed this, but also realized that this Israelite girl, this little girl has now given hope, hope that Naaman could have his leprosy removed from him. And then the king of Syria said, go. And I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he went, taking silver, gold, and changes of clothes. And he brought the letter which said, I have sent my servant, Naaman, that you will or might remove his leprosy. I mean, this is really pretty awesome when you think about it. We were told how much the king respected him, and he totally supports. He wants, he also desires to see his heroic commander have his leprosy removed, and he sent a letter for his servant to that effect. He also sent precious minerals, gold and silver, and a a change of clothes, Uh, I I look at this, these were obviously very high quality clothes. There There were 10, you know, rich, expensive, fashionable clothes. I think down south they would call this your Sunday go to meeting best. And however, the king of Syria had horrible theology because human kings are not able to remove leprosy. Only God can do this. And that's what we're told in the very next sentence. Then the king of Israel read the letter and tore his clothes saying, am I God to kill and bring to life that this man is sending to remove from a man his leprosy? And now is he speaking to his inner circle, but only please know and see how he seeks to challenge me. This is another aspect of human nature. We tend to escalate things. We tend to misunderstand other people and take it up a notch and bring it back on them. Now, it's interesting that the Holy Spirit never mentions the name of the king of Israel. But in other places of this book, we find that this was Ahaziah, who was the son of Ahab, who was just as wicked as his father. And he's interpreting this letter as threatening war if Naaman remains a leper. And he at least has enough theology to be threatened because he knows he's powerless to remove the leprosy of Naaman. So now we're left at an impasse in part two of our narration begins. On hearing the word from Elisha, so God's prophet steps up. Naaman protests to do it because of his pride. But when he heeds his servants, he humbly obeys and he's cleansed. So again, picking it up line by line. And then it was, or I love how King James translates this very specific and common Hebrew phrase. And it came to pass when the man of God, Elisha, heard the king of Israel had torn his clothes, he sent to him to say, why have you torn your clothes? Let him come to me. And then he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. And Naaman came with horses and chariots and stood just outside Elisha's door. You see, Elisha, which means literally God salvation. God is salvation. He's a true prophet of the God of Israel, Yahweh. And he knows, he knows God. He knows God's word and he knows God's will for people. So Naaman comes to him for help. 
but he stands outside the door of the house. Then we're told that Elisha sent him a messenger to say to him, you will go and you will wash seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will come to you again. Be clean. Now, one thing about scripture is always in the same paragraph, we'll have promises and commands. And this is very interesting. This particular passage, and I'm not quite sure I understand it fully, starts with a series of promises. The message was, you will go, you will wash in the Jordan, and your flesh will be restored. But then he commands him to be clean. And I think this is a typical if-then. If you will fulfill the preconditions according to my promises, then you will be able to obey the command. Now, nobody can be clean of his own power. It's only from God. But God will give the cleansing if he will go and wash seven times. Well, you heard it read, and and it's just amazing to me how this is expressed. He went away in angry rage, saying, Behold, I thought, literally it was, I said to myself, he would surely come out and stand and call on the name of Yahweh his God and wave his hand over the place and remove the leprosy. Are not the rivers, are not the rivers of Aram, of Syria, in Damascus, the capital, so much better than what's in Israel. Then he turned and he left in a hot fury. You see, we have to understand pagan notions, and we all have them deep in our hearts somewhere. They think they can manipulate their God with ritualistic actions. If I just do the right thing, I can make them do what I want for me. And this is especially so if a priest of their God performs the ritual. So that's why he equated a prophet of the true God with a priest of his false gods. And then he's also angry that the prophet sent a messenger, didn't even come to him personally. Now, please see here what pride is. Every word, every emotion of Naaman is ruled by his pride, by his pride of his own understanding that I know everything, and by his pride in his place of origin. My rivers are better than your rivers. Now, right at the peak of this fury, and who knows how high it would have gotten, we're told his servants came near and said to him, if the prophet had commanded of you a great thing, would you not have done it? So much more than when he says to you, wash and be clean. And then here's a miracle. Then Naaman went. He went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan according to the word of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like that of a small child, a little child, and he was clean. Now notice, I had said earlier, we need to pay attention to marginalized people. These servants knew more about what is right before God and gave their master wise advice. What is wisdom? Wisdom is to know deep down in our soul what is right before God and then to do it. And so they influenced him. And as a result, Naaman changed his heart and mind by humbling himself. And then by an act of faith to do what the man of God had commanded. Now, cleanse in scripture can always be cleansing of physical or and or morally. It's an and or thing, both and. In this case, this foreigner was physically cleansed. 
And I think we need to remember this. That's why we sang a story to tell to the nations. God cleanses people of all nations who obey him in faith, as Naaman did. But then there's the bottom line, and it goes even a step further. And I'm going to make a declaration based on the Gospels. Then we're told he returned to the man of God, and yes, his retinue was with him. And standing face to face with him, he said, Behold, now I know there is no God in all the earth but in Israel. And then he concludes saying, Now please take a blessing from your servant. This is the fruit of faith, people. His cleansing from leprosy through faithful obedience to the word of God through his prophet confirmed his tentative faith in the one and only true God of Israel. And notice his declaration, now I know the true God. And what did Jesus pray in Gethsemane? He said, now this is life that they may know you, the only true God. I think people need to understand in what we call the Old Testament, but which even the New Testament calls Scripture. Those who know God by faith, they have life. And you see, God will cleanse people of all nations who obey him in faith. And now just a little quick word about this coda attached to the end. As an expression of gratitude for the grace of his cleansing, he offers to serve the prophet with a blessing. And I think that is the best translation. I know some translations try to extend it into a gift, into something material, and maybe it was. But the word is blessing. It's translated blessing every time in the King James. It's Barak to bless. Okay. Now, with this as background, we can better understand what happened, what Jesus did when he came down from the mountain. You see, after Jesus addressed his disciples, many followed him, and then a leper is worshiping him, imploring to be cleansed if Jesus is willing. And he is, and I love this word, immediately he's cleansed. All right, so after he came down from the mountain, large crowds, plural, are following him. What's this all about? Well, you can just look right back up. In the three previous chapters, as we mark divisions in the Bible, Jesus is giving, has given his inaugural address as the king of his own kingdom. American presidents didn't invent this, okay? This was his inaugural address from the top of a mountain, And the plurality of the crowds following him, and I think this is so important in our divided world these days, but the Gospels, the New Testament, the Old Testament, it always says that God wants all people groups to know him, and we're told that many, many, many people groups were desiring to follow him. That's the transition sentence. And then we're told, after a leper came to him, humbly worshipped him, he implored him to be cleansed, if Jesus is willing. And Jesus says, yes, I am, and immediately he's cleansed. So let's look at this word for word. Behold, a leper, having come, was worshipping him. And now he is saying, Lord, if you are willing you are able to cleanse me. So here's another leper. And just as Naaman eventually came around to go to the man of God and be cleansed of his leprosy, some 850 years later, another leper comes to the son of God to be cleansed of his leprosy. And we're told that for a long time he was worshiping him in the physical way that people always worship God. 
with his face to the ground before Jesus. And then after he had been this way for a while, he calls him Lord. And he expresses a humble faith that Jesus, Jesus is able to cleanse him, but he realizes it's only if it is according to his will. So notice the attitude of this leper is much more like the servant's of Naaman, the Naaman himself. And then we're told the last sentence, having put forth his hand, he touched him and he's saying, I am willing. Be thou made clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Don't miss this, what Jesus does with his hand. God in human flesh on the earth always knew the importance of touch to flesh and blood human beings. So he begins the cleansing by placing his hand on the leper. And there's a whole lot more here because I told you they were supposed to be expelled. Nobody was to touch them. That would make the person unclean. But Jesus is different. Then, after he says he's willing, Jesus demands that the leper be made clean. You see, notice his phrasing here, that thou be made clean. He knows that the leper can't cleanse himself. The cleansing comes from outside of the leper, specifically God. The Father Jesus and the Holy Spirit cleansed the leper. And this immediate cleansing of an outcast from the people of Israel is due to his humble faith based on what he knew about Jesus. Maybe even he was there on that mountain and he heard the inaugural kingdom address. But understand this, it's related to what we learned from Naaman's story. Cleansing comes to those humble before God. So I hope you've heard everything that I have said, but please attend carefully to what I have to say now. Really listen. We all suffer from the leprosy of our own sins. But if we have humble, obedient faith in Jesus, which is based on his death for our sins on the cross, and if we have the same dependent, humble faith that his resurrection can give us the life that God created us to live, then, then, we will be cleansed of the leprosy of our sin, which separates us from God. And then being indwelt by the Holy Spirit, we will continually be enabled to live doing God's will to the glory of God. That brings it right up to our moment. And we don't just do that once. We live like this every minute of every day. So let's wrap it all up. Powerful people are often ignorant of God and his ways, even if they respect his power to deliver, as the king of Syria did. But when they humble themselves to listen to him through his lowly servants, Naaman, and obey his words to them by faith, they discover that the one God of all, of all people, of the whole universe, of all his creation, will cleanse any who submit to him and submit to his way by faith. God cleanses people from all nations who obey him in faith. And now for... Our closing song, we will sing number 328. I will sing the wondrous story. We have been healed from our sin, which is even more awesome than Naaman's physical healing. This is a total cleansing. 328. 
Amen. It is a wondrous, wondrous story what God has done through Jesus. And it doesn't matter if people had faith in the prophetic words before it happened, because we have faith in the words of the apostle after it happened. But only very few people actually saw what he did. Well, we will close with the words the Apostle Paul wrote to a church in Asia Minor. And so, as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another and forgiving each other, whoever has a complaint against anyone, Just as the Lord forgave you, so also should you. And beyond all these things, put on love, which is the perfect bond of unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. And now for our final song, we will sing number 103. He is Lord. Christ is Lord.